The Today's Homeowner Radio Podcast is brought to you by The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Welcome to Today's Homeowner with Danny Lipford, your partner in home improvement. Everyone has questions about their home. We've got the answers, and we have a few laughs along the way. Informative, entertaining, and sometimes off the wall. Home improvement has never been this much fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. Danny Lipford here, along with my buddy Joe Truini. And yes, you're at the right place. For the most practical, realistic, most current home improvement information you'll find anywhere. And yes, we're going to have a little fun along the way, and we want you to help us out. want to remind you how you can reach out to us. If you'd like to send us an email, you can do so by going to todayshomeowner.com slash ask, or pick up the phone and call us 800-946-4420. During this first hour, we're going to talk about crumbling concrete stairs. What can you do? Do you break out the jackhammer, or is there any way to save them? We're going to advise a homeowner on that particular thing. How about a string trimmer that's reversible? Could you use that? We've got reversible. One for you. Reversible. What? Does it put the grass back? What is no, reversible? No, it just it just untangles it for you, so that oh, you don't cool. get your little fingers dirty. Yeah. <laughs> so like we that. can we can try that out. Also, adjustment of interior doors, something that a lot of people are frustrated at. They just kind of move a little bit. Is it settling, or is it just a door that was not installed? properly. We'll tell you about that. Another real key safety thing, are your outlets grounded? If not, can you ground them by just simply changing out the outlet? We'll tell you all about that. And we've got a lot of emails that came in this week. We're going to try to get to as many of those as we can. And what about that simple solution coming up, Joe? All right, Danny, since a lot of people are spending time outdoors this time of year, I thought I'd share a simple solution, how to make a really simple trap for catching gnats and other annoying little flying bugs that might be bothering you outdoors. Well, I'll tell you, I was I saw a lot of these different traps. I took a few pictures of these different little homemade traps I saw on a weekend uh, this past weekend. Very unique uh, camping thing. I've told you about it before a couple times a year. Me and some of my buddies from my hometown get together. Actually, there was 12 of us on this particular trip. I rented a house, a very simple house on a, a beautiful river that we, as kids, would um, fish on. But the unique thing about this, I didn't realize it was so unique. These are guys that I went from kindergarten all the way through 12th grade. Wow. Yeah, so it's, uh, we go way back. So this, is, start- this is Mariana, Florida. This is Danny's hometown in the Panhandle. That's right. Uh-huh. And uh, a lot of TV viewers may remember Danny and his crew did a great uh, community project there after a hurricane blew through. And did you swing by and see the little pocket? Yes, yeah, sure did. You sure did. Oh, yeah, how's we, it looking? We, we, Went to downtown Mariana. Looked pretty good, actually. Uh, They're doing a lot of work in downtown Mariana to restore a lot of the historic buildings. So a little bit of it has overlapped on the park there just a little bit. That'll be cleaned up later. But overall, it looked great. And and apparently, a lot of people are using it uh, for, you know, uh, little get-togethers, little small concerts, things like that, which is exactly what we wanted them to do. So, so yeah, it worked worked out great. But it's always great to to see all the guys and catch up with everybody. And How many were you there? How many uh, guys? There was twelve of us. You twelve know, from it, kindergarten. That's a, yeah. really amazing. And, and, and you think about it when um, you know we've gotten, of course, uh, old enough now that uh, we can uh, actually tell the same stories over and over each year, and uh, <laughs> and, and, and people, you know, uh, we just don't remember them. Well, not, yeah, you're not, old enough. Either you don't remember them, you can't hear. So uh, you don't that's really, right. <laughs> it's but, but all it, new it was, to you. 
It was a great time. Fantastic <laughs> friends and a, a very unique thing that we're going to try to keep going as, as long as we can. I guess at some point we'll have to have a, um, a nurse on call with a defibrillator, but, uh, <laughs> but ho- ho- hopefully that's a few years down the road. So. Have the ambulance parked out front. That's well, right. Well, well, more importantly, did you catch any fish? Not really. No. Yeah. Um, I caught I caught one. We were right on there, and it was very tempting. And usually we'll go out and put uh, limb lines out so that we can catch some catfish and things like that. Right, but yeah. I think we were uh, – plus, it was extremely hot. So uh, we yeah, would go like out the, and – most of the country, right, Dan? I, I mean, do real, you know, cool, um, hardcore sports like croquet and <laughs> okay. uh, the, old, the old beanbag toss. We have a oh, little yeah. bit of that, a little yeah. card playing here and there. But it was really hot, so we – Hung inside that air conditioner yeah, a, yeah. A, a good bit, and 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 speaking of hot, Joe, you know it's a lot of the areas of the country. You start seeing these weather reports across the country. It is really starting to get very very warm. So you know, um, I know these are things that you all know, but thought we would just put out a few reminders out there. If you haven't had your air conditioning serviced in the last year, it is absolutely recommended because. They'll make sure that it's running efficiently. They'll make sure it's running safely and might be able to head off any small problem now that could be a big problem later. That's one of the things that can really help you drive those utility bills down and to kind of survive this heat of the summer. Absolutely. And if you listen to us regularly, you know, we often recommend that you have it serviced much earlier than this time of year, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you're going to call these contractors, the HVAC contractors, they're going to be so busy, you know, can they get to you before the weather starts to cool off? So to back up a step, try to remember to call these guys in in the spring, like early right. spring, mm-hmm. get them out there while they're not that busy. Because now not only are they repairing units, but they might be installing units that have completely failed. And, and so they might be too busy. But yeah, I mean, and, and, and always make sure that they do a check of your home to make sure that if they are replacing your unit, they're not necessarily replacing with the same size. You'd think, well, of course, if I have a certain size unit, I want the same size. But make sure they check to see if that original unit was sized properly. It might be too big. It might be too small. And yes, air conditioners can be too big for your space. Yeah, it, it, uh, and that can be a real big problem. And a lot of people will say that, well, go ahead and upsize it a half a right. ton. Yeah. Uh, not not a good idea that uh, that calculation, which is an old-timey thing called a manual J, still is very relevant, and that'll make sure that you're getting the right unit that you need for your house. Another thing that uh, is extremely important during this time of the year is your condensation line that is a drain that runs from your air handler unit uh, to the outside. Now, that might be in the attic, might be in the basement, but uh, the most common is a vertical unit in probably your hallway that you'll have a little short door and right under it you have your return air grill. Uh, Inside it you'll see a white PVC pipe. Usually it's three quarters of an inch in size and it'll usually have a little T-fitting with a vertical pipe and a cap on it. Well, that cap is not glued. You take that cap off and pour in. Now we used to recommend um, a cup of bleach, which is still fine, but something's a little safer is a cup of white vinegar, and that'll kill all of that mold and mildew and mycelia and all that stuff inside that line that if that gets blocked up and it does all the time, it will flood into your house, can cause a lot of damage, or if you have a safety switch, it'll turn the unit off and you'll wonder why is my system working? You check the breaker, you check everything. Well, that pan may be full of water and as a safety, it turned it off. So that's something that uh, you should do at least, um, uh, you know, during this time of the year, I would do it every 
every month. It's very easy um, to do. And, and Joe, of course, uh, one of the best simple solutions I've ever heard you talk about is using that shop vac that's to right. clean yep. that drain out. That's that's like a mirror. That's magic, buddy. <laughs> yeah. That is magic. Yeah, this is something you should do once a year, whether you think you have a clog or not, just to prevent the clog from happening. And that is to find where the condensate line terminates outdoors. It's usually very obvious. You hook up your shop vac and just suck out whatever is in there. Be sure to take the filter off because, you know, there might be some, if there is a plug, there might be some water condensation in there. But you want to suck that out, um, again, just to keep it running. And they do make, Danny, I think they call them... Uh, condensate pills or something like like little aspirins uh-huh. that you can put in the pan and you can put in the in the uh, drain line itself and that's supposed to help clean it out. But uh, as Danny said, the vinegar works great as well. Hey, another thing you know, in order to you know save some money, if you haven't um, converted your thermostat to a Wi-Fi enabled thermostat, you might wonder, why do I need to do that? It's just another gadget that I have to figure out how to use. But it really enables you to um, have the freedom from your phone or your computer to really control your units. You know, so let's say you're, um, you know, you you have a regular work schedule. You leave the house at seven, you get back at five, something like that. You can right. adjust that thermostat so that it raises the temperature, makes it a little warmer in your house while you're gone, which every degree you go up, it's going to save you a, a, a significant amount of money, and then it'll lower it back down and make it comfortable before you get home. And it has an override switch that you can override as well. So that can save you a lot of money and ensure that your house is comfortable so that you you know won't have to worry about that. Ceiling fans, counterclockwise, when you're looking up at them, counterclockwise is the way to go. Just a few tips to kind of help you uh, survive the, the hot summer that we're starting to deal with, and we have uh, more to deal with as we go along. Hey, we're just getting started here on today's Homeowner Radio. So glad you're with us. When we come back, we're going to see if we can tackle a crumbling concrete stair problem. All of that and a whole lot more right here on today's Homeowner Radio. We'll be right back. Today's Homeowner is brought to you by The Home Depot. How doers get more done. The Today's Homeowner Radio Show is heard nationwide on lots and lots of stations, over 360 stations, including this one in Albuquerque, New Mexico, KDAZAM 730. Hello to everybody there in New Mexico. We appreciate you spending a little bit of your busy weekend with us here. And, of course, we want to help you out with any challenge you might be having with your home. You can send us an email, todayshomeowner.com slash ask, or you can pick up the phone and call us 24 hours a day, seven days a week on the Today's Homeowner Hotline, 800-946-4420. We're going to get right on that hotline right now and talk to Walter in Illinois. Walter, tell us what's going on around your house, and welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Thank you, Danny, for taking it. I'm a long-term fan of your show. Awesome. Uh, Thank you. Situation that I've got at home here is I've got a concrete step, and the risers, uh, have accumulated some moisture and whatnot and got damaged. So to repair it over the years, uh, last year or two years ago, I patched it, and unfortunately the patch came back. Uh, what I used was some type of a liquid binder for the cement. I put in a screening uh, with tack-on, uh, I believe, uh, fasteners to hold it in place, and then I, I placed the uh, cement on top of it and patched it. I, I was planning on painting the whole uh, all, stair- all the stairway with uh, with some com- concrete stain, 
uh, just to kind of blend it all in because there's two different colors there. But then over the winter, the patch came loose from the from the concrete stairs. I was wondering if you had any suggestions on how I might do a more effective job of handling the uh, the repair. Well, well, I tell you, it is tough when you put down a thin veneer of um, any kind of masonry product. Uh, you got to have the the right stuff in order for it to work. Do you feel like um, Walter that the step is moving at all? Do you think any of the crumbling or cracking is a result of of it moving? Do you notice any sinking in the uh, stairs themselves? No, they're pretty pretty solid as far as good. I'm uh, as I believe. Good, uh, the good. The stairs is about maybe five feet. Uh, five feet tall and it's uh you know about six feet wide and goes down to a sidewalk okay well well i'll tell you we had a very similar situation like that and um same kind of thing the homeowners uh, had you know it looked as if when it was poured maybe they put a little thin veneer over it for some reason and it started cracking out over the years so what you need to do and, and i feel very confident that this will be successful is to um chip away anything that you can get off anything that's loose you might just use a kind of a um you know, maybe a dull putty knife is, is good. You don't want to be too aggressive with like a, a cold chisel or anything like that, but just something to chip away anything that you can get off fairly easily. And then of course, clean it really, really well, allow it to dry for the most part. And you, you may have heard us talk about Quickrete's recap. And that's what I used on a um, couple sets of stairs, actually one in a very recent show that we, that we did. And uh, it worked great. I mean, it's easy to work with. I, I would uh, encourage you to make sure you read the instructions carefully because it's a little different in that you mix it and you let it wait just a little bit. And also the consistency of it you'll want. It's kind of like pancake batter or something like that. And then you basically can just pour it out on those steps, take your trial and just work it, give it a few minutes, work it a little bit more. And you'll see that you can smooth out both on the horizontal and vertical areas of those stairs. You can make it look perfect. Then, just before it dries completely, take a broom and go left to right with that broom to create just a real light broom finish. And, of course, that's to provide a little bit of texture so that you or your um, visitors um, won't slip and fall down. You can also use that on the side, almost like a stucco on the side of the steps if you need to, just so that all the coloring remains the same. Now, when you put it on, it's going to be a, 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 a kind of a dark gray color, but it'll tend to change very quickly to a light gray color. And uh, it's pretty easy to use, and you won't need much of it with, with a set of stairs like that, maybe two bags probably at the most. Okay. Now, there is a section of the riser that's a little bit deeper. I actually, I had to use a chisel to get some of it out. So it's about maybe two to three inches over the riser uh, length that uh, that I have to chip out, and that's where where some of the problem exists, too, where it comes away from that. How do you recommend repairing a deeper cut? Well, well something like cut. that, you would, um, you would probably use um, Quickrete's uh, vinyl patch, and that's something that you'd want to put on and allow it to dry at least today. There's also other concrete patch that's available that can come in a fairly small container since you won't need much of it. And then you just can apply that. Now, the recap, I believe, can be put on up to about a half inch. So you really could pour a little recap in there, allow it to dry, put uh, you know additional layers to build it up to the surface before you smooth the whole area out. But uh, it's fairly easy to fill that up. And main thing is just making sure you get all of that loose material out of there first. Got it. Got it.
Okay, terrific. I think that will help me uh, deal with the issue that I've got here. Well, it's and one of those important things with it being, you know, right there in the front of your house and, and that kind of thing and the possibility of someone stumbling and things. Uh, certainly a worthwhile job, Walter, and I, I wish you the best of luck. If you have any problems, run into any snags, you know what to do. Just give us a call. Will do. All right. Thank, thank you, you very much. Time. All right. Thank you. Joe, you know, um, something like that, we can just, you know, vi- I can visualize that so much. That sure. used to yeah. be something that everybody poured, those concrete stairs. And sometimes they would pour them completely solid. Other times they would fill them with blocks or dirt or whatever. Right. Yeah. But um, they sure are subject to a lot of problems and not the most attractive. And certainly you hear about the slip and falls all the time. Yeah. And, you know, if he doesn't repair them, there really is no other option. So he might as well try repairing him first because he'd have to tear out the whole staircase, especially since this is, I think he said, six foot wide. And Quickrete does make, um, I think it's just called quick setting cement. And it comes in a bucket. It's already all mixed. You just slap it on there and it's specifically designed. One of the things on the label it says is for repairing concrete steps, risers and and the treads themselves. So he could try that too because it doesn't require any mixing. And Mm-hmm. Let's go right to some emails here. We're going to try to get to as many of your emails as we can this week. You can send us one right now at todayshomeowner.com slash ask. Uh, Peter's writing in, I'm building a deck using uh, five-quarter pressure-treated lumber. Should I leave a gap between the boards? Where I, get, where I live, we get a lot of rain, and I know that the boards will shrink. But the boards on my old deck didn't shrink, and water would puddle up and not drain through. What do you think I should do? Hey, Peter, that's a good question because uh, we have a lot of people building decks, and we don't talk about that gap very much, and everybody has their own way to go about it. But for me, I simply use a 12-penny nail and just a, a nail there as a spacer. And that's probably an eighth of an inch or so. And uh, and that way you get that very uniform look you want. And then if it shrinks a little bit, maybe it goes up to a quarter inch, no problem. If it swells up a little bit and closes, it's not going to close that much. And you'll still have that drainage going out. Because, Joe, I've seen a lot of people just not realizing that. And yeah. maybe they're thinking, okay, it's pressure treated. It's going to shrink, which normally it does. And they'll smack those boards right together. And uh, then, you know, when you have that rain, that that wood can get so slick. Plus, if water stays on it, it's going to have a hard time keeping it nice and clean. Yeah, you're better off having a slightly wider gap than you'd prefer a no gap, as as Peter found out. Um, yeah, and the general rule is if you pick up a board, a press-treated board, and it feels heavy, it's wet. I mean, there's no other, you know, if you have a, 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 water, a tester, a meter, um, a moisture meter that you can test the wood, that's fine. But most people don't own one. You don't really need one. But if you pick it up and it feels heavier than it looks, then it's wet. And you do need to, you will expect some shrinkage. If it's really dry, if it's lightweight, then you can assume it's dry. Yeah, you know, that's one of the things I always loved. Um, a, a lot of the, the home centers, um, especially Home Depot, having so much of their treated wood inside. Right. You know, um, you know, that's going to be so much drier and you know, take your time when you're looking at boards like that. There's, you know, about one out of 10, you just about can't use because it's just right. uh, yeah. because not, not, not for any reason other than wood is wood and it's going to bend and, and check a little bit. So it's worthwhile to take a little time and choose the best wood you can. That way you'll end up with a much better looking deck. Hey, coming up, we're going to uh, talk about a string trimmer that's reversible. Why would you need that? We'll tell you all about it when we come back. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. We'll be right back. 
Today's Homeowner is brought to you by Pavestone, creating beautiful landscapes. And by Quickrete Cement and Concrete Products. It's what America's made of. And welcome back to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show, where it's time for our best new product segment brought to you by the Home Depot, how doers get more done. First of all, string trimmers are one of the handiest outdoor power tools you may have, but I noticed one drawback that occasionally the string will get tangled in thick grass or wire fencing to the point where you need to shut it off and have to clear it out by hand. Well, Makita has addressed that problem with their 40-volt XGT cordless string trimmer. They've added a reverse rotation function that clears the trimmer quickly and easily. I've never heard of this, but boy, could I ever use that. Besides that benefit, this model also delivers gas-like performance from a battery, and the battery will power it longer uh, thanks to its automatic torque drive technology mode, which automatically shifts from 3,500 and 6,500 RPMs to extend runtime, or um, you can add power as needed. Plus, the head, which cuts a 15-inch swath, uh, features a rapid load bump and feed system that loads in seconds with just three easy steps. So for more information on this very unique Makita 40-volt cordless, um, brushless and cordless uh, 15-inch string trimmer, head over to Home Depot. Dot com. I, I can see where that would be very handy. I never, never thought or heard about that, uh, Joe. But uh, to, to you know, because you, you know, a lot of times you're dealing with you know thicker grass or a place that a lawnmower can't get to because of space and so forth. And uh, man, that's aggravating when those. It's it's great when those things are working good, but when they get tangled like that, it's nice to have a little reverse mode. Yeah, obviously that's a problem that occurs often enough that they had to redesign it to have this reverse rotation. So yeah, it's really smart. And and the fact that it's cordless, I mean, they're almost all cordless these days. I mean, there are very few gas powered. Most homeowners, I've switched over to almost all battery powered. And what a pleasure not dealing with that oil and the gas. But I will say, make sure you take out the battery whenever you're messing around with any of these tools. In this case, you're messing around with the the head if you're changing the strings or whatever. Take the battery out because you don't want this thing accidentally going off while you're working on it. Yeah, good point. Good point because they are 40-volt power tools. They are powerful, so be careful when you're working with those. Hey, let's go to our emails right now, and you can send us one at todayshomeowner.com slash Ass. This came in from Thomas in Atlanta. My wife and I are, are slowly renovating our 70s ranch, and we're about to tackle the master bathroom. We remodeled the bathroom a little over a year ago, so we have a little experience under our belt. Now, that project turned out pretty well, except that the grout in the tile floor we installed has already started changing colors. How can we avoid that this time around? Well, you know, Thomas, that's not that surprising. Bathroom floors get so much moisture on them that stains from mold and mildew or efflorescence are pretty common, but because it's common doesn't mean you have to live with it or put up with all of that. You should be able to clean and seal the grout in your hall bath. But for your next project, try using a different grout to begin with, like Prism Ultimate Performance Grout from Custom Building Products. It's specifically designed to prevent that problem. It's formulated to provide consistent color throughout the project, regardless of tile type or as much as humidity as you want to throw at it. And because it's highly stain resistant, it'll keep that uniform color for years and years. Plus, it's lightweight and very easy to spread, which is a bonus for DIYers like you and your wife. And if you want to learn more about it, check, check it out on their website at Custom Building Products. 
prism.com. I've used prism a number of times and boy, it's great when you're, you know, doing that kind of work and you know that you're putting something that's going to be consistent, stain resistant, and uh, is very easy to use. I'm pretty sure everybody will be using prism once they try it out a little bit. So uh, Joe, let's go to the email, see if you can tackle this one. Uh, right. This one is from Phyllis and uh, above the border there in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Um, I have a laundry, uh, a laundry room door uh, that is just not level. I've tried everything short of getting a new door and threshold. How can I fix this myself? Please help. I cannot afford to have a contractor do it. You know, Joe, when you have a, a door that has shifted or maybe it was installed improperly or, right. you know, just sometimes people just simply do not install those things, what would be the first steps that you would recommend that uh, they approach it with to try to figure out what's going on there? Yeah, Phyllis mentions the door's not level. I assume she means it's not plumb, meaning it's not perfectly vertical. Uh-huh. So it's probably binding in the opening and she can't open it or close it properly. Um, the very first thing to do, typically, we're not sure of exactly the issue here, but typically it, it binds at the top corner, right? So the very first thing to do and the easiest thing to do is tighten up those hinge screws. Sometimes it's something as simple as that. These are the screws that go into the door, but more importantly, they go into the jam, the side frame of the door. Because if those become loose, of course... You know, the door will sag a little in the opposite direction and it'll start binding. So first thing you do is tighten those up. If you find that any of those screws are stripped, pull them out and put in a a lot longer screw because they're typically only about an inch long to begin with, which is way too short. So I would replace it with a two or three inch screw and really tighten that up. That alone might solve the problem. If the door itself was just set out of plumb, meaning the jam is out of plumb and everything's like not perfectly square and level, then um, I would... I wouldn't bother messing with that and trying to plumb it up. I would just plane the door down, you know, cut the door to fit. Even if it's out of square, it's a laundry room door, you know, as long as it swings open. If there's an exterior door, I'd be more concerned. But so that's probably what I would do. And she could do all that without a contractor. If that doesn't solve it, then she would have to replace this door. But you can't just replace it with another door because you'll have the same problem. You'd have to replace the jam as well. So I would try tightening up those screws or planing the door to fit the existing opening. And you can, um, you know, take a framing square a lot of times and just put it in the upper corners of the door. A lot of times that'll tell you what has happened there. And and I've had a lot of success, just like you're talking about with the screws, thin right. diameter screws, wherever it's binding, is to run that screw in there kind of slow because you don't want to split the jam. And a lot of times that will tighten things up uh, considerably. So a lot of different ways that you can adjust something. But boy, is it ever aggravating when you have a door and, and, and it won't close or right. things like uh, the door uh, swings open all the time. And, and I just yeah. absolutely... Uh, another great simple solution that I have used many, many times, and a lot of we got a lot of feedback on is when you have a door that just won't stay closed or just won't stay open, it's got a mind of its own. The simple fix on that generally can be just to take one hinge pin out, lay it on a hard surface, you know, like a, like an old scrap piece of wood, and just hit it with a hammer just to um, to uh, bend it just slightly, just slightly, and then drive that back in to the hinges. And a lot of times, that's all it takes. It'll provide just enough friction to keep that door where you want it. And uh, I heard someone talk about getting up out of bed one night and to go into the restroom and right. that bathroom door was halfway oh, open. Oh, no. Bam! <laughs> and, and he had an inch and three-eighths-inch uh, three inch little uh, imprint <laughs> right in his forehead. You want to avoid that. That's not, that's not what you want. Hey, we're going to take a short break. You're listening to today's Home on Radio. We'll be right back. 
Today's homeowner is brought to you by Wizard Screen Solutions. Find out more at wizardscreens.com. And welcome back to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. Danny Lipford here along with my co-host Joe Truini. And, you know, we've gotten a lot of uh, emails this week, so we thought we would try to dig through a few of those. This one's from Michelle in California. How to change outlets from two-prong to three-prong safely. Now, so many times if you have an older house, you're going to have a two-prong outlet. And so many things that we have in our home has the ground, the third little spike that you have to put in there. Well, you can use the adapter. They always fall out. But, you know, when you really want to be safe on this kind of thing, and it's actually very wrong for someone to change a two-prong to a three-prong and say that it's grounded because it truly is not grounded. You have to run a wire all the way back to the sub-panel to get um, into the, the, the ground block there in order for it to truly be grounded and be safe. However, there is another um, option that you might try if you want to convert some of these things to make it nice and safe. There is. And the National Electrical Code does allow this change that we're going to discuss here. But I, the caveat is it might not be code um, apply, compliant in your town, in your city. So, you know, check first. But this is what they allow you to do is replace the old two-prong outlet with a new three-prong outlet. But it has to be an outlet that is GFCI and AFCI applicable, right? So it has to have both protections, both ground fault and arc fault. And although that doesn't, it still only accepts the two wires, the black hot and the white neutral. It does not have the bare copper grounding wire as the modern system does. It does allow you to use those two wires, plug in a three-prong plug from any device, but you'll be protected. So even though you don't have the grounding wire, if something should happen, an arc fault or a ground fault, it'll shut off, it'll trip that break, that the little breaker inside that outlet and prevent you from getting shocked or a fire being started, which is the issue. Now, what they really want you to do, of course, is have the wire inspected. And because these are older homes, the older wiring systems, if they're not up to, if they're not in really good condition, they'd want you to replace the wire. But imagine that, replacing all the wire in your entire house. So that's why they allow this stipulation of, okay, you don't have to rewire your whole house, but you have to install a GFCI, AFCI combination outlet. So, Danny, that that is what you can do to plug in a three-prong outlet. And, you know, we get asked a lot, um, you know, is this a do-it-yourself kind of project? If you're, you know, very comfortable with electrical and you've done a lot of electrical work, and you turn the breaker off before you do anything, um, yes, you know, you can feel pretty comfortable. But for the most part, hire an electrician because they may see something that you would never see, and we want to keep you nice and safe there. Here's another email that came in from Prescott, Arizona. Barbara asked, what is the safest, easiest way to clean hard water stains and calcium deposits from a tiled shower floor? Of course, you know, first thing is uh, once it's clean, sealing that grout will help you lot, but to get it clean, what do you think would be the, the best approach for Barbara to see if she can get those hard water stains and those calcium deposits off of that floor? 
Yeah, well, they do make, there are commercial cleansers available that are just sold as hard water stain removers. The one I've used is called BioClean, a company called BioClean, but I'm sure there are other companies. But if, before you go out and buy anything, I would try this. Um, get some distilled white vinegar. Danny and I talk about it all the time. It's a great cleaner, has just enough acidity to tackle tough problems like this. What we're trying to do is um, saturate some t paper towels, put several layers of paper towels over this, saturate it with the white vinegar, and wait. I don't know, three or four hours, whatever, depending on how long it takes, um, and then scrub it with some hot soapy water. And if the stain, if some of the stain is gone, then just repeat it. Um, but I would definitely try the white vinegar first, Danny, before I went out and bought anything. All right. One more quick email from Lewis in, um, or Louise in uh, Indiana. I have a half inch gap between the edge of my brick patio, paver patio, and the concrete slab foundation of my garage. Should I caulk the gap or fill it with paver sand? Um, know exactly what they're talking about. Probably, probably either one. I would almost say sand, sand, because if you put the caulk in there, it's really going to stand out if the rest of the joints are sand. But, uh, I would put sand in there and be ready to put more sand in there as it settles. Uh, you know, especially, uh, once you dress it all out and sweep all the sand out, but I believe that's all that's necessary. Caulk might stand out a little bit. Yeah, it would stand out. And, and if there's any movement, that's going to you know, crack the caulk and pull it away with the sand. And I assume he's saying paver sand, he means polymeric sand, which has a little, some binders in it. So it kind of firms up. And, but like I said, if the sand uh, deteriorates or set or drops down, whatever, it's easy to replace the sand. Replacing the caulk would be a lot more work. So I'm not heard that suggestion before, but yeah, I definitely try the polymeric sand and it's really easy to replace if it does not work. Now, if you have that crack in front of your garage where your concrete comes up or your asphalt comes up to the garage slab and have a crack there definitely fill that up so that you can keep water out of there we have all the directions you need on that at todayshomeowner.com hey coming up it's simple solution time don't go anywhere joe's got a good one for you Today's homeowner is brought to you by Duck Brand Weatherization Products. And welcome back to the show. Danny Lipford here along with my buddy Joe Truini, also known as the master of the simple solution. Joe, what do you have for us this week? <laughs> well, thank you, Danny. Um, here's how to make a trap for catching gnats and other flying insects that, you know, this time of year, if you're sitting outside and dining outside, you know, they can be a real problem. So what you do is start with a two-liter soda bottle, a plastic two-liter bottle, and use a utility knife to cut off the top of the bottle, maybe like the top third or so of the bottle. And then in the bottom of the bottle, pour in a quarter cup of apple cider vinegar and two or three squirts of liquid dish soap. Then just mix it up a little bit, just swirl it around so they mix together. Then take the top half of the bottle, invert it, and set it upside down in the bottom half of the bottle. So it's it acts like a funnel. And so what happens is the vinegar will attract the gnats and the flying bugs. They'll fly down through the inverted top of the bottle and they'll get trapped. When they hit the water, the cider, the soap will be kind of sticky. So they'll get trapped in there. If they don't, and they try to fly out, they won't be able to because they won't be able to find that little hole. Um, and you just leave that out, you know, put it out. You can put a couple of them out near where you're going to be dining or hanging around outdoors. And then, you know, maybe every day or two, just empty it out and replace it. But you'd be surprised how effective this is, especially if you have a lot of flying bugs, not only gnats, but pretty much any flying annoying bug. 
Well, I tell you, when you're when you're outside trying to enjoy the great outdoors and you have those bugs around, like especially those little bitty ones, like you're talking about there, that right. can, um, and and some people seem to attract those more than others, you know. And if you do if you do have a guest over at your house, it seems to be attracting the bugs more than others. Just set them at the end of the table, just a little <laughs> bit away from everybody else. Don't sit anywhere near them, right? Yeah, and then everybody else, you know, it worked out good for everybody except that one person. <laughs> but hey, I want to share with you what you can see on the Today's Homeowner Television Show this weekend. It's one we're calling a popping porch, and it's a project that we uh, did a while back. And uh, boy, we got great, great response off of this. It's a well, fantastic before and after picture. And much like uh, many of the today's homeowner uh, projects, it's, it's fairly simple, could do almost in a weekend. And uh, this particular one involved adding some handrails, uh, redoing some old landscaping, pulling it out of there and starting all over, a little bit of paint here and there. Also, um, uh, really adding a, a, a lot of um, pavers. We put some pavers in to really, uh, you know, kind of border the landscaping, which added a nice contrast from that and the porch. You'll need to take a look at it. You can see it at todayshomeowner.com and find out where you can see it in your area now in our 25th season. Okay, Joe, I got a little announcement here. If I can be uh, oh, yeah? that old uh, grandfather for a little while, I am proud to announce oh, that no. my, my middle daughter has just uh, um, ha- had her very first child. Wow. Um, Congratulations. Tinsley Gray was born just a few days ago. Everybody's doing good, and that's uh, that's great. uh, Grandchild number five for me. So I got a a, a lot of teaching ahead of me. Yeah. Well, send Melanie uh, our our best wishes. That's great. Parker Gray. That's a terrific name. So, so this was, what did you say, your fifth? Yeah, my fifth. fifth, uh, fifth yeah, of course, child. Chelsea has four, four of them. Yeah, and well, you got uh, a basketball then, team. Now you got to yeah, see if you can get right. a baseball and, team. And so a little, another little boy to compete with uh, Gus. Gus will will take him under his arm and show yeah. him all of the tricks that I've shared with him over the years. So. Uh oh. <laughs> That's what Melanie said. Get ready, Melanie. <laughs> well, congratulations, so, everybody. That's terrific. Well, that's good. I'm, Too bad I'm, they I'm, live four or five hours away. Yeah, I know it. I'm I'm headed up there soon to go um to oh, go um, meet him and uh and do whatever I can. I'm sure Melanie has a little list there. Uh, she always has a list for me. All my girls. Oh do. yes. As soon as I walk in, I go to my my workstation and pick up my orders, <laughs> and uh, and then and then march off to work there. So yeah. no, it's, well, it's congratulations it's, again. Thank you, thank you. It's fantastic. Well, that pretty much wraps up the first hour of today's homeowner radio. So glad you were able to spend some time with us, and hope that you can spend the next hour with us as well. We've got a lot of information stacked up, just like we do all the time. And remember. You can always go to todayshomeowner.com and pick up any tips anytime. I'm Danny Lifford along with my buddy Joe Truini. Thanks so much for listening to this hour of Today's Homeowner Radio.